Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Um, Our story from Scripture today comes from Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come to you, will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they heard the star or saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is the gospel of Christ. No, I think I got this. Oh, yes, I do. I couldn't write if I muted. Let's pray. God, I, um, I am always thankful for this room, uh, but in a new year with a bit of freshness, I just am overwhelmed by gratitude uh, for this room and for these people. And so I just, um, I just ask your blessing on today, on this Sunday. I, I pray that... Uh, We believe that your presence is with us, but I just ask that you would wake us up to the power of your presence. We believe that your spirit is here. Will you wake us up to the power of your spirit? Uh, Will you use this story and uh, this uh, day, this experience, uh, to draw us to you um, as we start out a new year? You are uh, where we want to be. And so I pray uh, that you say when we seek, we will find. And so will today be a day marked by finding? In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, So I I really just want to do two kind of simple things this morning. Um, uh, There's some pressure when you're a preacher that uh, Easter is kind of like the Super Bowl. And then uh, Christmas Eve is like, I don't know, 
the Stanley Cup or something. And then the first Sunday back, you like want to come out with a bang. And so I tried to do that. And the Holy Spirit was like, no, you're going to do these two things. So we're going to be really uh, simple this morning. Um, I, I really just want to reflect on why I think the story of the wise men is so important. Uh, and then I just want to create some space for us to do some reflecting on that story on our own. So um we are, uh, this week is the beginning of Epiphany, which we'll talk more about uh, in, in a few minutes. But Epiphany is a season in the church calendar where we uh, really directly look at the life and the ministry of Jesus. And so uh, today we do that. Uh, traditionally, the, the first end of the year, we do that by looking at one of the first stories of Jesus revealing himself on earth, uh, which Jesus did from the very beginning. We spend a lot of time um, in the church talking about the life of Jesus from age 30 and on, and that, that's not bad. This is, there's way more of those stories, um, but that doesn't discount the stories uh, from before, and so a lot of times we only talk about those at Christmas, so we really like to stretch that Christmas season so that we can um, talk about these because um, Jesus' earthly ministry started when he was 30, uh, but, and I don't think about this often, but Jesus started being Jesus from his first breath. From his very first breath, he was Jesus, the Christ, the, the Son of God. And, and so I think stories about his childhood um, have so much to offer us about who Jesus was and is and what he was doing in the world and is doing in the world. And so, um, so for the last couple of weeks, we've, we've really done that. We've been looking at some of these early stories of Jesus. And, and um, one of the things that has been so interesting to me is um, as we look at these stories and just as I've been reading these stories to prep for sermons and um, to follow along with, with our scriptures and stuff during Advent, um, something that has kind of stood out is, is um, who has access to Jesus from the very beginning of his life? Um, I think that's really, really interesting. Honestly, a whole, I think that like someone doing a whole study of who gets asked access to Jesus over his whole life would be very interesting, but um, today I just want to focus on those, uh, those very first few stories. Uh, the first people that have access to Jesus are, of course, his parents. Um, but again, so interesting. We have Mary, who in the wildest experience discovers uh, from an angel uh, that divine conception of the Son of God has happened within her. And then we have Joseph, who finds out about this, and because he's a good man, offers to have a quiet divorce with Mary. But instead, after his own wild experience with a dream, he uh, obeys God and stays. And so he's there in the room, when, or cave, or barn, or, you know, nobody agrees on where Jesus was born exactly. But whatever it was, he was there uh, when so many others in his situation would have been missing. I, this is just kind of a random side note. I thought about um, uh, how Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem, and, the, and the, the Bible says they were traveling there to register for a census. And it just struck me this week that as interesting that uh, Joseph, he would be registering his wife and his child, his child who was his, but also very clearly God's, not conceived through him, but through God. That just is interesting. 
so that's the first crew. The second crew with access uh, to Jesus uh, were the shepherds that we talked about last week at, at Christmas Eve. Uh, his very first visitors, the shepherds who were the poorest of the poor, the overlooked, the hooligans, the unnoticed of Jewish, Jewish society. Um, when I think about the scene with the shepherds that we talked about last week, um, I keep thinking of, you know, when you drive on the interstate and you see inmates in like highlighter yellow or orange vests picking up trash in the median, you know what I'm talking about? Um, and this is no way a hit on, on them. I uh, have both loved and been related to, to plenty of them. So, um, <laughs> um, I had a cousin who was the chairman one time of the of the median committee. I don't know what it's called. Anyway, um, this so this would be a terrible example, but it's just I just picture the stigma of that scene when you drive by and 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 uh, you you may not admit to doing this, but maybe you lock your doors. You, um, you, you it's just the stigma of. We're invest to show that we are uh, the unnoticed or, for unfor- or the forgotten or the outcast of the society. And, um, and I just picture that. I picture the stigma of that scene and then angels coming upon that scene and inviting in such a grand way into that scene. And then because I'm a mom, I immediately picture Mary or more actually, accurately, I picture myself and put my, myself in her shoes and imagine seeing a whole bunch of like highlighter yellow vests, knowing what they mean, uh, walking into my birthing room saying the angels told them to come visit me. It's crazy. And as uncomfortable as this would make me feel, and if I'm honest, it, I would feel very anxious uh, about that. When I had Huck, we did high school ministry, and a billion teenagers showed up to some of your kids. Some of you who are here uh, showed up to hold our little tiny baby. And, and, and I remember um, the nurses being so anxious that teenagers would, would stick their fingers in my kids' nose holes, and, and they're fine. Um, but, but, but you put inmates, or you put outcasts, or you put criminals, and, and just walking in saying, angels, invite us. It's just, it feels nuts. They were his, Jesus' first guests, uh, were the guests nobody wanted. And as uncomfortable as that may, might be, everything I know of Jesus, and uh, when I read the shepherds, I just think, of course, like, of course his first guests were the guests that nobody else would have invited. And then we have this third set of visitors that we read about in our scripture today from Matthew 2. The, the wise men or the magi, or, or often they're called the three kings. Um, we don't really know that there's three. We know there's three gifts, and so people uh, assume. And, and they weren't really kings. Um, they were more like magicians. Like uh, they, they came from the east. That's kind of a vague description, but that is, it means they came from outside of Israel. And they were these magicians. They were astrologers, wild and mystic followers of dreams and stars. Uh, more than once when we've talked about them, I've described them as New Age hippies from Denver. Or I realized this week if they're coming from the east, we should say Asheville. So... Um, I really just want to do a whole thing just about their jobs because I really want to figure out what uh, magi really truly means. But uh, for our purposes today, here's what we need to know about them. Uh, They were outsiders, not Jews, but Gentiles, non-Jews, not chosen, uh, not insiders of the faith, insiders of the family. And the visit with the wise men, it's a very big deal because uh, Jesus was promised as the king of the nation of Israel. He was the king of the Jews who had rescued them once and for all. And in that moment, that was 100% true. And for all of Jesus' moments, it was 100% true. But this visit uh, from the magi, the, the uh, magicians from the east, Jesus offered something radical. Because in his first visits with anyone, he gave access to the king outside of the family. 
It's a huge deal. N.T. Wright uh, says that in this moment, Jesus began, uh, or in some ways began his kingdom work. And I love this. He calls it, he began the kingdom work of smudging the borders. That's what he did. He smudged the borders. I, I, I feel like... Um, the people who have first biblical access, I'm sure there were other people to see Jesus. From what we have in the scriptures, though, the first people who have biblical access to Jesus is incredibly fascinating. If you are uh, writing a birth story, you're probably not going to include uh, Joseph who didn't conceive, help conceive Jesus. You might not include the wild hooligans who came to visit that no one invited. And you really don't want to include the magicians who came from Asheville and, and brought you some gold. Uh, maybe the gold part. Um, but, but this is what's recorded. These are who is recorded. A, the big part of that is the, the first recorded moments on earth Jesus spent smudging borders. Uh, after Mary, his mother, we have uh, the physical presence of God seen and celebrated in the Bible to the best of our knowledge in this order. Joseph, his father in name and heart, but not in biology. The shepherds, seen as losers and outcasts and nobodies. And the wild and wise magicians from the east, Gentiles, outsiders. Looking at the first visitors of Jesus is sort of, uh, in a lot of ways, looking like a movie trailer filled with spoilers. It's a sneak peek of what's to come with him. Where anyone can be grafted into his story, uh, no matter what kind of blood runs through their veins. Where status and clout have no bearing on an ability to get in. Where borders get smudged and everyone everywhere is welcome. The disconnected, the nobody, the outsider. And where the way seems to have nothing to do with how good you look, but only to do with did you show up for the party you were invited to. That's what they have in common. All four, <laughs> Mary, Joseph, shepherds, wise men, they, they showed up to the party that they were invited to. For Joseph, he got his invitation in a dream. For the shepherds, it was a sky full of angels. For the magi, a star, a bright light in a dark sky that they just couldn't quit following. These people, they showed up to the party they were invited to, and they all had different or levels of information about it. In his first moments, Jesus was revealing who he was and what he was about. And his kingdom and his gospel in his first breaths were taking root. The story was being told from his very first breaths, the story of a theology of loving kindness, of border smudging in the name of welcome, a story of great hospitality, of room being made in very unlikely places. It's been a theme over the last couple of weeks for us to talk about this wild hospitality of the Father. And so it just made sense for me that we would start the new year uh, on that theme as well. The uh, season of Epiphany that I talked about just a second ago, it's, uh, it starts officially on Thursday. It's January 6th of every year in uh, the church calendar. And we follow the church calendar here uh, at Springbrook. And, and so uh, Thursday is when you're allowed to take down your Christmas tree. I'm sure all of you still have it up, right? So if you, if you do still have it up, don't feel guilty. You're just, you know, following the church calendar. Um, but uh, it, it'll carry us through. So Epiphany, for those of you who didn't grow up Catholic or uh, Anglican or, or Lutheran, um, it's a season specifically devoted to doing what the wise men did in our story today. It's a season devoted to following a light to the story of Jesus. Uh, at the beginning of the gospel story, John describes Jesus as the light of the world that the darkness can never put out. Uh, epiphany, um, in, in, in its idea, literally means to shine through. 
Epiphany is a season for the church to make room for Jesus to do that very thing, to shine through, to make room uh, for his nature and his character and his kingdom and his, his story to shine through. And so I, I, I want to kick off this season um, by ending uh, this sermon a little differently uh, today than we normally do. Um, I've, said, I've said this a lot if you've been around here for a while, um, but, but I've been to a lot of churches that, that kind of end sermons um, uh, how I do a lot, talking about how we have access to Jesus and to spend time with him or to make room for him or make room for the light to shine through. Uh, but I've not been a many that actually taught me how to do that or created space to allow me uh, to do that in the service. And so um, I, I used to think if I ever started my own church, which sounded bananas, but if I ever started my own church, I want to do a little different. And I, I wanted a place not just for lecture, but also for lab. Um, I, I really struggled in college to show it for the lecture part, but I was there for the labs if, you know, we could explode things, sure. Um, but, but a place uh, for, for not just lecture, but labs. So today I just want to spend our last few minutes um, uh, in this uh, sermon time doing sort of an extended say law, a lab, um, practicing uh, what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. So um, this might be super weird for you, what we're about to do, and if it is, hear me, that's okay. It's okay. Uh, it really is, but but we're going to take a few minutes, and we do this from time to time, and we're just going to be quiet, and we're just going to make some space for the, the light to shine through. Um, and so the way we'll do that today is that I just want to guide you uh, in a prayer. Um, and it's something that you can do here once today along with us if you want, but it's also something that you can take with you and do all year long at, at any point in time. The questions I ask, just maybe jot them down, and, and, and you can come back to this over and over and over again. And um, I am going to have us be quiet, but I, I also promise you I'm not going to make you do anything embarrassing today. Uh, other days, maybe. But um, not today. We're not, I'm going to make you close your eyes and raise your hand and then trick you into committing to work in kids' ministry uh, forever. Although we do need workers in kids' ministry <laughs> forever. Um, but, um, but we're just going to sit quietly and I'm going to prompt you uh, with some prayers. Um, uh, there, I put, we put note cards out uh, on chairs. If it is helpful for you to write stuff down, uh, grab one of those and you can write it. You can close your eyes. You can pray it. Whatever kind of posture Whatever works for you is great. If you already have doodled some pictures on your note card, just reach to a chair around you and you can get a new one or an offering envelope. That's a holy way to use it. You can take notes there. Um, so, okay, my friend Chase Whitmire, uh, he does this thing he calls Red Dot. And essentially it just means that through prayer conversation, um, it's a way of figuring out where you are and where you're going. You know, in iMaps, if, if you have an iPhone or you've seen one, um, the, the little red dot in the map or like the pin where you drop a pin and say where you are, um, it's just sort of that idea. It's just uh, we're going to spend a few minutes essentially dropping a pin saying this is where I am. Uh, but then when you want to get somewhere else, you watch the pin move to the place that you're going. And so that's also what we're going to do. We're going to drop a pin and say, this is where I am, and this is where I'm going. And we're just going to do that through uh, prayer today. We're going to red dot, drop a pin, share a location, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, essentially, this is a New Year's prayer, a moment to reflect on uh, where we are right now and where we're going in this new year. So I'm going to lead you in four steps or four prompts. Uh, I'll set it up, then I'll just give you a really quiet space to pray or think or sleep. This is the holy room. You can do that. Um, so let's start this way. I, want, I start every prayer uh, with a deep breath. 
There's nothing magical about a deep breath. I just have a touch of ADD, and it helps me connect my body and my brain. So uh, let's do it. Take a big, deep breath in. Let it out. And get in whatever posture works for you. Close your eyes. Grab a pen. Whatever works for you. I'm going to pray and open us up, and then I'll just uh, guide you along the way. So, Jesus, you... uh, showed up from your first moments uh, that people, even unexpected people, had access to you. So as we begin our prayer time, will you wake us up to that? Will you remind us of that? That we, in this moment, have access to the King. We have access to your work, to your heart, to your kingdom. We have access from wherever we are. That if we're sitting here in our joy or our excitement for a new year, we have access to you. If we are sitting in our hurt or loss or grief, we have access to you. In our confusion and our doubt, we have access to you. You have, Father, you have offered us access to yourself through Jesus in our wildest places. So we say, come Holy Spirit. So let's start um, this first little section. We'll just start by spending a few moments in gratitude. As you think back over the last few days, maybe just the, just the ones, let's go from Christmas to today. Uh, what are you thankful for? Where were there moments of joy and gratitude? You may have a person or a place or maybe a gift, it, whatever it is that pops up, or maybe a couple of them. And so just as anything pops up, take a moment, kind of hold it in your mind or, or write it on your page. Name it before God. God, I am so thankful for whatever pops up. So we'll just take a few minutes and allow gratitude to sink in deeply before we move on. There's uh, this moment in the story of creation uh, when God created the world and God, he comes into the garden to be with Adam and Eve, but they're hiding from him. And he asks the most simple, gracious question. He says, where are you? So I just want to take a minute and um, let's make room to hear God asking us the same question. Where are you? Take a moment to hear. Um, actually, but just sit for a moment before you even try to answer the question just maybe sit for a moment just in the question itself and then um, begin by describing to God as best you can where your red dot currently is where are you today mentally check in with your body where are you physically spiritually and then without placing judgment on where you are this isn't a time to decide if it's good or bad just share it Share with God, where, where are you? Um, try and share any, if you have any like thoughts that are strong that come out or emotions that are strong that are come out. Again, not judging them, just naming them. And then maybe even picturing in your mind, taking that and then just handing it to God. So a few minutes, 
Where are you? If you're ready, we'll move on to three. If you need to stay in two, stay in two. Um, but when the wise men arrived in Jerusalem, they uh, go to Herod's temple, like Jamie read, and they explain where their dot was headed. They explain to Herod where they're going. They were following a star that would lead them to a king. That's what they say. Uh, years later, Jesus was walking in Jerusalem before he was really known, and two men were staring at him. And the scriptures tell us that he looks at them and he says, what are you after? I think these are good questions for a new year. Where are you going? What are you after? Where is your dot headed? What are you after? Again, uh, sit with the question a little while before you try to answer it. And then, as best you can, try to describe your answer to God. And here's the thing. God is not Herod. He does not have an agenda of power. He doesn't have to. He has all the power. Um, but describe to the God of loving kindness who has made room for you. Describe to the Jesus who is the light shining through. Take a moment and describe what are you after? What do you seek for yourself, for your family, for your friends, your school or work or whatever? Where are you going and what are you after? Scripture lesson day says, And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, and ahead of them, it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. So they entered the house, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests, and they gave him their gifts. I want to close our time making space uh, for that. Um, make, I, we believe that Jesus speaks to us, and so I want to make space to hear him. Um, for, the, for the wise men, the child Jesus spoke so clearly to them that when they left Bethlehem, they went, as James Taylor says, home by another way. So uh, what is he saying to you?
um, let's just kind of make space in this moment for epiphany, for the light to shine through, maybe space for worship. Uh, that's what it said the wise men did. They worshiped him. Um, make space for opening our hands and our hearts as we listen for what Jesus might want to say to us this morning. Maybe where Jesus might want to smudge some borders in our own hearts and our own lives as we think about where we are and where we're going.